Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Zach, we're uh, definitely in uh, summer with the heat and oh, yeah. uh, vacations happening. You and I were talking about that before. I just got back from a, a cruise, went with our kids, and uh, came back with a little bit of a cold. And, um, a little tan, too. Yeah, a little, well, a little tan. I've lost it a little bit. Yeah. But uh, and you've got some some uh, vacations coming up. Sounds yeah, like we've, it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Family trip coming up yeah. here in June. And then uh, in July, we get to celebrate our 10-year anniversary, me and Congrats, Caroline. Man. So it's That's our awesome. first trip away from... Kids, yes. Yeah. Um, really, first trip since their honeymoon, so we're really, we're looking forward to that. Yeah, that's fantastic. And four kids, I mean, it's kind of hard oh, to, yeah. to work yeah. that in sometimes. It's so hard. Yeah, we're you. thankful for her mom to yeah. help us out. Amen and, uh, for that. Oh yeah, Absolutely. that's awesome. That's awesome. We got sports going on. We always talk about that a little yeah. bit. Not everybody likes sports, but right. the College World Series is is going on. South Carolina, Clemson did not make it, um, but mm. uh, you know that happens. Yeah, with NBA Finals too. I know I'm I'm, I'm the yeah sole NBA fan. I think in the state. No, I, I okay. love. Yeah, oh, you're no. you're the only Hawks fan in this. State. Well, yeah. So I'm not really that big of a Hawks fan, but yeah, NBA Finals, yeah. Celtics, the Warriors, yeah, it's uh, exciting. It is exciting. My it's son about, likes to watch it. So. It's about the only time I watch NBA basketball is the finals. Yeah, the, I, I mean, mean it's you know. high competition. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah. it is. It is good. Yeah. Good uh, entertainment. So yeah. So well, we have a, a great entertaining show today too, right? We got good topics. I think so. I, I mean, I enjoyed prepping for this. Yes. Reading it, I learned a lot. So I'm excited to share it with. with and what you is your what is yours about? Yeah. Oh yeah. So mine is going to be. Um, talking about U.S. stocks and how they're trading at a discount, actually. Oh, you, they're on sale. They're on sale. Huh. So very interesting topic and very a little bit more analytical, but I yeah, think it's going to be good it is. It is. To, to look at the numbers here just to, I think, give the audience perspective of, you know, what does it mean when, when stocks are, quote unquote, on sale yeah. or undervalued? I'll tell you, this comes from uh, Morningstar, and Morningstar is one of the better um, uh, outfits out there that it's, it's data-driven, and we love it. We uh, we pull a lot of material from Morningstar, so if you ever want a good resource, Morningstar.com is a, a great place yeah. to go check out, mm-hmm. certainly. And then we're going to switch gears and uh, talk a little bit about retirement. We have a lot of folks in retirement out there and, and planning on retirement, and um, really, when you start looking at income, that's one of the, the things that I think we do really well is providing some clarity and some vision on income and retirement. And, um, you know, income really doesn't have to be about what the market's doing. It's really about math. Right. Exactly. Right. I mean, and so we expect there to be markets ups and downs and oh, so yeah. forth. And um, it's always been like that, but we're going to kind of dive into that topic a little bit. And mm-hmm. and uh, I like the bucket approach that they kind of categorize it in, and we'll we'll kind of compare yeah. that to how we do it. Yeah, I think that's that's smart, so... Yeah, and uh, so I am John Travis, and uh, I have an MBA in finance, and I'm also a Dave Ramsey certified coach, and I have over 30 years of experience in planning for both corporations and individuals. And I'm Zach Albanese. I've been a financial advisor for about three years now, and I've been here with uh, Richard Young Associates for a year and a half. So Yeah, coming up on two years. What That's is right. it? Uh, well, February. Okay. So right. yeah, we're getting there. We're getting close. We're almost... Seems like longer than that, though. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We're excited to have you listening to us today. Um, we're up every single Friday morning. Uh, you can also go to our website, MoneyMD, and uh, pull the uh, podcast. You can listen to, to mm-hmm. past ones as well, download it into iTunes. Uh, also, go check out our website, MoneyMD.net. We have a lot of uh, useful resources out there, some uh, retirement plans that we've put, um, some college information as well, and then... Uh, I think you're going to do the prescription of the week on um, right. Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have a prescription every single week at MoneyMD. And so we're going to start off the uh, the show here with the uh, financial fact of the week. 
Yeah, so the financial fact of the week is is interesting because a lot of people, I think, are asking with all the interest rate hikes, like what's that going to do mm-hmm. to the market? So I like this fact because it looks at history. It looks at June um, of 2004 through, through June 2006, where the Fed raised interest rates 17 times in that, that two-year period, and each rate hike was 0.25 percentage points uh, for a total increase of about 4.25 percentage points. So that took the Fed's target short-term rate from 1% all the way up to 5 and a quarter uh, from the close of trading on 6-30-2004 to the close of trading on 6-29-2006. And in that time period, the S&P gained a total of 15.7% total return over those two years, or if you wanted to annualize it, 7.6% a year. Yeah, so even during the increase in interest rates, the right. markets did fairly well. Now, obviously, we don't know what the um, we don't know yet what the markets are going to do now. But um, just because the Fed you know increases interest rates doesn't mean that the markets have to go down. There is some exactly. headwind on that, right. uh, and they're trying to slow the economy down now because of inflation. But um, I don't know, just a data point. Yeah, um, I thought that was, I thought it was good, a good way to to yeah. Again, we don't know the future, but. This is how it played out in history. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily correlate to higher interest rate or raising interest rates means necessarily a bad market. At so. the end, at the end of the day, it's about earnings of companies, right? That's and, right. And there's always other events that are happening out there that impact that. And and certainly interest rates and inflation are are some of the factors. But um, just don't get so caught up in the the headlines day to day because no one really knows what the market's going to do tomorrow or next right. week or next year. But we do know over time the markets have gone up more than they go down. That's a, that's right. That's a fact. That is a fact. That's a good fact. Too. All right. So we're going to switch gears here, and we're going to talk about uh, an article from Morningstar. Again, a great outfit. I really like the way they position their articles. It's not political. Um, they just look at data, and uh, they can draw some conclusions from it. And so this is a great discussion on uh, where U.S. stocks are. I mean, the U.S. stocks are down compared to where they've been, and mm-hmm. uh, Morningstar is saying they're trading at a discount. Yeah, so this this article um, comes from Dave uh, Sakira at Morningstar, and yes, it just the, the title of his U.S. stocks are trading at a uh, rarely seen discount. Um, even with the market's bounce, the sell-off provides a chance to invest in significantly undervalued stocks. And so U.S. stocks may may have rebounded after a brush with the bear market just uh, in, in May. I think it hit, it like intraday hit that bear mm-hmm. market it did. category. It didn't mm-hmm. close there. Yep. Um, and so Morningstar is saying, well, the broad equity market remains well in undervalued territory. As of May 31st, so just about a week ago, the price or fair value of a, of a composite of the stocks covered by their equity analyst team was 0.87 times. So what does that mean, John? Yeah, I'm glad you asked me that. I got my uh, crystal ball out before I came okay. up here. And, right. um, you know, it, I, and, and actually the crystal ball is a, one of those eight balls, you know, that oh, you yes, turn around and, and it said, what, yeah. and I shook it up and it said, bye, 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 bye. Yeah. And then I shook it up again and it said, sell, 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 sell. Oh, okay. So, so it's a, there's a chance that it's going to go up um, sure. and a chance it's going to go down as well. So this is just a data point, which is really yeah. good, but we, we really don't know what, what direction. Um, you know, the markets, uh, right. May was an interesting month. This year has been, been a down year. But um, when they look at, when Morningstar looks at just the, the value based on the earnings, mm-hmm. uh, it says it's undervalued, um, yeah. which historically has played out pretty well. Yeah, I mean, it's since 2011 uh, on a monthly basis. There really have only been a few other instances in which markets have traded at such a large discount to what they're seeing right now. And so the current level of undervaluation is the greatest discount to fair value since the emergence of the pandemic uh, back in March 2020 and the growth scare that sent stocks lower in, in December of 2018. So by their calculations and this this data point, it's, now is a good time 
to, yep. to buy. It's yeah. pretty it's pretty low. And then also, if you go back to 2011, um, there were concerns about a, a Greek uh, debt crisis um, having a contagion to other countries, and the uh, the price to fair value metric was it was a similar uh, type level. We saw it again in, in 2015 and 2016. Um, you know, U.S. Mark, uh, equity markets um, fell as the uh, economic growth in China were was struggling and the plunging oil prices took their toll on the market sentiment. So, you know, you look back at those time periods and after that, I mean, the markets did pretty well. Again, we're not saying that it's going to play out like that, but when, when things are undervalued compared to their earnings, when there is some positive news in the economy, I mean, that markets take off. Yeah. And I know? think, you know, we're speaking mainly to long-term investors, which is obviously what we, yes. we espouse here. Yep. Because if you are in it long-term, then whether it goes down a little bit more or not, to know that you're buying it at a, at a value that's quote-unquote <clears throat> undervalued is still a good good buy. Yes. Um, and so I think, you know, we, we, we saw what happened with the stocks in May. It started out a uh, bad month, actually ended up uh, a good month. I think the S&P closed flat in May. Um, you know, Morningstar is, is saying that they think the pendulum has swung a little bit too far to the other side. Maybe things were overvalued at the end of last year, and now I think things have swung a little bit too far the other side, which is why um, they've they've uh, said with this statistic that these U.S. stocks are are undervalued and again for long term investors. Yeah. So. Yeah, and so if you look back at um, you, they've broken this down into two categories: value stocks um, and growth stocks. And basically, value stocks came into the year um, uh, pretty attractive. And if you look at their returns, um, you know, as of the the end of May, the uh, Morningstar U.S. Value Index had increased by about a percent year up. to date. Yeah, wow. positive. Whereas you look at the the growth index for Morningstar, and it had dropped twenty eight percent, almost thirty yeah. thirty percent, while the value index was up. Yeah, that's wow. a big big difference. Yeah. And if you yeah. look at the split right in between uh, value and growth, it was down about thirteen percent. So. According to their valuations, um, they think the uh, growth category is now undervalued more than the the value sure. category is. So, um, but it's also gotten yeah smashed pretty hard. It has. So, so bottom line is, is you need to be diverse. I mean, that's why we diversify, right? right? Exactly. We we own value stocks, we own growth stocks, um, we own the the mid mid level stocks and small stocks, and and diversification here is is why it works. Because, gosh, if you were only in growth, which a lot of people were. I mean, you've seen your portfolio drop, you know, twenty to fifty percent, depending uh, on how you're investing. Yeah, which, so. yeah, which uh, equities or which investment vehicles you have. Yeah, exactly. So with that happening in May and up to this point so far, what what will the summer months bring? And I think, you know, as Morningstar did their their research and analysis, um, they they really do expect that volatility will remain. Um, their 2022 outlook, you know, there were there were four main headwinds, and we'll talk about those in a second, that are really going to affect change the market. And decide whether things look up from here or maybe continue downward. And so any one of these headwinds is difficult enough to traverse. But right now we're in the midst of, of a convergence of really all four mm-hmm. playing out at the same time. So it's really unlikely that, that volatility will subside until the market gets a little bit more clarity over the next few months. So these are the, the four headwinds uh, that Morningstar references. The first one is a slowing rate of economic growth. Uh, we've recently, uh, or we've seen that the Morningstar has lowered their projection for economic growth um, in 2002 to 3% as opposed to 3.5%, and their 2023 projection to 2.2% from 3%. So while even though economic growth is slower, um, they still think there's, there's this low probability of a recession 
in the near term. Uh, the next headwind they talk about is the tightening of monetary policy. Um, and so, you know, it's no surprise the Fed has been raising rates. Um, and But the interesting thing at the release of their minutes in May, the Fed's minutes, the stocks, even though they, they are continuing to raise rates, stocks rebounded sharpishly because I think what they're finding is that there's the investors are sticking, or sorry, the Fed is sticking to their guns. And so investors are actually pleased that mm-hmm. they're not doing anything more radical than that. Yeah. So even though it slows down the economy, um, investors are hoping that there's a predictable path forward for dealing with some of that slowdown. So anyway, um, the Fed has raised interest rates so far. They have a plan for the rest of the year. And I think if they go according to that plan, yeah. then markets hopefully will not be as volatile. Yeah, it really depends if they there's a soft landing or not. That's that's kind of what the, exactly, the market's yeah. looking for. And then a, another piece of this, a headwind, obviously, is inflation. I mean, it's just you know every single day gas prices are going up. It's yeah. just crazy. And so they've uh, Morningstar has increased their inflation uh, for the year to date for um, personal consumption up to five point two percent, which is higher than what they had initially at four point five percent. But it's interesting. They looked into next year and um, they think that the inflation forecast is going to moderate. In 2023 and dropped below two percent. That's uh that surprised me a little bit. It did. It um, did. I hope it's true. I do too. It's it's so high right now, but that assumes that there's a soft landing. Yeah, that's, right. That's, exactly. a, that's a big assumption exactly. right now. But inflation certainly is running hot right now, and also interest rates that we talked about. Interest rates are, are being increased, and there is a schedule. Um, you know, the next test for the bond market is um, begins this month as the Fed begins to shrink its bond holdings. So. They're basically pulling capital back from the market. They're making it more expensive. Um, that should slow growth, um, which you know slows hiring, which slows wage growth and so forth. And so they're trying to to get the economy not to be so rampant. And um, so we'll see. I mean, there, there's a couple of headwinds here, but you know um, that's one of the reasons why the markets have dropped. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think looking forward. Uh, talking about how these these equities are undervalued. Really, these are and these are from high quality companies too. These are not, you know, your 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 startups or some you know random companies. They're high quality companies that are significantly undervalued, um, and these are companies that have long term durable competitive advantages too that will allow them to generate excess returns uh, over their cost of capital. So, what the article was saying was that these companies are best positioned to weather um, potential economic disruptions. And typically have the strongest uh, pricing power. So the fact that these companies have also declined is a good indication that there's a lot of overselling going on. So the question of you know what to do now, you look at your portfolio, you look at your plan, um, and I think in these types of market environments, it's really important for investors to have a plan that that balances their long-term investment goals with the risk tolerance. Something we we talk about all all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, this plan should also allow for rebalancing. Uh, so you can increase equity allocations that maybe have been out of balance. Um, and so Morningstar kind of offers this encouraging closing remark that they say based on their view that the U.S. equity markets is un- are they're undervalued. Uh, they really do think now is the time to be reducing exposures, uh, not reducing exposures, sorry, but to be adding judiciously, especially in high quality uh, diversified portfolios. Um Based on yeah. your investment plan and your goals, and so. that, that's just one opinion, right? I mean, you could exactly. go, you could go out there yeah. to uh, CNBC and see another opinion from oh, yeah. someone else. So, but and there, um, are, there are plenty of them out there too. There so. are a lot of opinions out there. So, I mean, I, I think you know the takeaway, like you said, is um, you know be diversified. You have a plan if you're building wealth right now, putting money in the market, buying more shares. 
you know, it's likely going to work out long-term for you. And if you're yep. into retirement, you've got to have a process to pull income. That's right. Leave the stocks alone, pull it from the bond side of the house and, and the cash side of the house and, and weather the, the storm. That's, that's the way it's always been. And it's worked pretty yeah. well. Yeah. So a good, good look at that for Morningstar. Yeah. I like it. Um, yeah, very good. And we're going to do the uh, question of the week now. And that is, um, should I do Roth conversions when the markets are down? And uh, yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's a great time to do a Roth conversion. As an example, markets are down 20% and you pull out, let's say, 10000 from an IRA and you move it over into a Roth account. When mm -hmm. the markets recover, you're going to recover that money in tax-free status. Yeah. That's so a good getting, deal. Getting 20% more in to tax-free status. Yes. Yeah. And Helps. paying taxes on 20% less. That's right. That's so right. It, it works out on both both sides of it. So yeah, we're, we're big believers when the markets are down. There's some things that you can do proactively. Um, we don't know when markets are going to recover or return, but mm -hmm. certainly doing a Roth conversion in a down market. Um, you know, if you're going to do a Roth conversion anyway, do it yeah, when the market's down. It's a good strategy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's a good question of the week. And uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit here, and we're going to talk about um, retirement income. It shouldn't depend on the market. It should depend on math. Right? That's right. Numbers. Yeah. This is from uh, Brandon uh, Dominic, a uh, recent article. And, um, you know, markets, ups and downs, I mean, they keep retirees on edge. I mean, we've had a lot of conversations with oh, folks yeah. over the last, you know, four or five months um, because they're worried about potential big losses, um, which they may never be able to recover. And, you know, if you look back at history from 1928 through uh, March of 2022, there have been 26 bear markets. And a bear market is defined as a, a decline of greater than 20% and uh, last at least two months. And mm -hmm. so if you look at the average bear market historically, it's been down about 35%. I mean, so that's a big number that you have to have, again, a plan and a process in place to handle it because it, it, ha it has happened and it will happen in will the future. So, you know, you got to have this this process and this plan. Yeah. And it's, it's not about, I mean, timing them is impossible really. Can't do it as yeah. well. And so really the best news or the good news even though that they may happen, is that there's ways to protect yourself from these uh, inevitable downturns, you know, because your, your retirement shouldn't be an endless series of, of sleepless nights. Like that's that's not what anyone wants to yeah. do in retirement. Kids do that sometimes. That's right. right. Kids will do that to you, but not not your retirement that's right. savings. That's right. So, you know, you want to do careful income planning that covers your needs, you know, allows for emergencies, includes a suitable amount of investment uh, for investment and growth. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be the the stressful thing so yeah and so basically i mean the you know the the topic is is you know you, you can devise a strategy and a process that doesn't depend on the market it's really about math now we obviously need markets to go up over time for right. all this to yeah. work um but let, let's go through an example let's say a couple's um, you know coming in on retirement they've saved well they have a, a million dollars stashed away uh, that's a fantastic um sum amount that has been has been saved and, um, but you know, retirement can last 20 or 30 or even 40 years. Um, so when we do retirement planning, we go out to age 95. So if someone retires at 60, that's a 35 year, you know, time horizon and, um, people are living longer, which means we need yep. to make sure that we have that process and plan in place. So here's where the math gets involved. You, you basically, you know, if you take your money and you divide it into three buckets, and this is a really powerful concept. The first one is, um, is very easy. It's a, it's an emergency fund bucket, Right. And so it's, you know, it's good to have money in reserve. Um, so this is the safety bucket. And, you know, so we have our clients and we recommend folks have an emergency fund. So when the car breaks down or the roof leaks, um, that you have that money to, to go to. 
Um, we see different levels of emergency funds, you know, 20,000. We see some people with 50,000. It really is a personal choice. Right. Um, yep. 50 is, is ample for most people. Yeah. Um, 25 is a good number as well. But that safety bucket, um, <clears throat> it has no market fluctuation. Um, it's not going to have any return, but it's sure. there to provide some comfort that when you need the money, it's going to be there, um, you know, very, very quickly and liquid. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, the next bucket is the income bucket, which is, you know, kind of replacing your paycheck, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so this, you know, this bucket's good for deciding how much you'll need coming in each month to pay for your lifestyle and your needs. And certainly, um, the need for things like groceries, your electric bill, water bill, or any other necessary expenses. Um, but you also have to think of leisure. What is what does your month to month look like, um, and how do you want to spend your your quote unquote income uh, from your income bucket? So let's say our you know our example couple they set an income goal of six thousand dollars a month. They expect to receive two thousand dollars a month each from Social Security, which is four thousand dollars. So that means there's a two thousand dollar gap that they need to fill between what Social Security provides and their income goal. So yeah, I think when you think about your income bucket, it's where, where are all my income sources and how much do I need and where am I going to pull them from? Yeah, that's right. And so this income, um, you can you can pull it from, you need to have a conservative um, option for this, right? That's right. And uh, this, this article talks about um, fixed index annuities as an option. We like using bonds. Mm -hmm. um, so we use bonds in the portfolio, short-term, high-quality bonds right. yeah. um, that we can tap like during these times. So when the markets are down, uh, we have a place that we can go to to provide income um, consistently on a monthly basis, yeah. right? So um, you got to make sure you have that that bucket um, available and you understand, hey, when I need money on a monthly basis, um, you know, to live on, it can come from this income or this conservative bucket. Yeah. And uh, so that's the second bucket. You have a safety bucket, emergency fund. You have this income bucket. It's a conservative, another conservative pool of money, um, which you're trying to make more than cash, but it's also accessible and then you have the growth bucket and um, retirees, you know, you need to have this bucket as well. Um, you don't have to be super aggressive uh, overall, but you should have some in the growth um, because this this growth bucket is going to help you keep up and, and really outpace inflation over time. And, and we see inflation now in the eight to nine percent range, even a, a two or three percent inflation rate. I mean, over time, over a five to 10 year period makes a significant difference. So right. this growth bucket that you have is really your long-term bucket. And and when the markets do exceptionally well, like they did in you know, a three-year period from 19, 20, and 21, then that money is going to increase and you can take some of that and put it over into the income bucket. But that, that's right. this is an important bucket. Yeah, and I think that's where the, the benefit of rebalancing comes into play is, yeah, during seasons of growth, like you said, the last three years, your growth, um, the percentage in your, your more long-term money will outpace your you're more uh, conservative, conservative yep. money, and then at that point you say, "Okay, let me add, let me add more to that conservative bucket, if you will." So, yeah, and of course that will, um, you know, this this growth bucket will go down in value if the market drops. So this shouldn't be any money you kind of look at dipping into any, anytime soon. The last thing you want to do in retirement is be forced to take money out of your savings when the market is down, and see so the account balance will start to drop rapidly as market forces. Combine with your withdrawals, drain it, and so that's a scenario that you could, that really could send retirees back into the workforce, which is really the last thing you want oh, to yeah. do when, you, when you're retired. So that's, that's not a good answer. No, so <laughs> it really matters. It depends on your risk level. That's right. Yeah. So and, and a lot of people think that retirees have to be more conservative with their money, but that's not always the case. I mean, as long as you you have your lifestyle taken care of and you have that emergency fund set, 
and you have a process in place, it, it's okay to have some of that, you know, growing in this growth bucket. Mm-hmm. And it um, doesn't mean you have to be overly aggressive. I mean, we're not looking for Las Vegas style gambling here, but you can create a portfolio that's a little heavier on equities, like 60%. And a little bit lighter on on bonds or that conservative piece uh, or forty percent. So um, that sixty forty is a good mix. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have a million dollars and you have forty percent in, in in bonds, you've got about four hundred thousand that can produce that income. Yeah. When the markets are down, and and six hundred thousand when when the markets are up. So you've got a growth piece as well. So it's really positioned pretty well for both up and down markets. Yeah. And one of the great things about this three bucket approach is the possibility of taking advantage of market growth without really having your retirement, uh, your your entire retirement fortunes tied to it. Entire retirement fortunes. That's, yeah, that's, that's a lot. A that's a mouthful. There. Yeah. yeah, so without having everything exposed to the market volatility, the three-bucket approach helps with that. And so certainly your numbers, your needs, it will be different from those uh, of this couple that we, you know, we talked about in this example. Perhaps your comfort level calls for more, less money in your emergency fund. You really have to figure out what works for you. Um, maybe you expect to do a lot of traveling in retirement. You want more uh, enough money in that income bucket to cover those desires. It really needs to be tailored to you and, and your needs. So Yeah, so having that three-bucket approach, having a process in place when the markets are down. I mean, when the markets are up, that's easy, right? Everybody right. likes that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I mean, everybody's you know a genius. It's really when the markets go down, what do you do? What do you not do? Right. If you have those three buckets, that emergency fund, you have a conservative um, bucket and bonds, um, or, you know, and then you have the growth, um, mix as well. You have three buckets and that way when the markets are up and down, it doesn't have as much power over you. And you can instead focus on the joy that retirement brings and, uh, you don't have sleepless nights. So, um, make sure you have a process in place. Yeah. That's, that's really that's critical. Really important. Yeah. And, uh, so we're going to, uh, switch gears here and close out the show with the prescription of the week. Yeah. So the prescription this week, um, uh, is all about, um, how to focus on share accumulation when you're building wealth. The more shares you have of, you know, security, security, yeah, yeah, yeah. or a stock stock or a mutual fund, something like that. The more shares you have, the more uh, equals wealth over time. So buying cheaper shares when the market's down, uh, you know, looking at the market now, has historically translated to more wealth in the long term. So yeah, I had that conversation with a client, and it was really interesting. Um, he was really frustrated. The you know first quarter was was a down quarter, and he's like, you know, I'm putting money in, and he was talking specifically about his 401k, and mm-hmm. he's like, I'm putting money in my 401k, and my balance is kind of right where it was when I started, and I'm like, well, go look at your share total, and so right. he's like, well, how do I do that? And I said, send me your 401k statement. So we looked at it, and they had a really nice, neat. Um, section. It was perfect because it mm. showed one mutual fund and it showed the amount that he purchased in January, mm. the amount that he purchased in February, and the amount that he purchased in March. And the number of shares he purchased each month with the same dollar amount, the number of shares were increasing each month because wow. the markets yeah. were going down. Right. So and he was, like, more. Yeah. he was like, ah, I get it. I, I have more shares. I have more shares. Yeah. And I think that is a very simple concept, but it's very powerful as well. Yeah. I almost wish they would show that in addition to just to sh- like when you look at your statement or something to yeah. show that hey you have more shares yes the valuation's down yep but you have more shares it almost offsets the maybe the fear that you, you've lost quote unquote lost money yep when really yeah. you you know the valuations of those shares are just down for now yeah and that could change tomorrow you yeah. know it's it just and I think it's a not not as great of an indicator but yeah, yeah. and another way um, to buy shares is rebalancing and we do that yep. periodically and, and also dividend reinvestment dividends happen from stocks on a quarterly basis. And those for, for our clients and probably in other situations are reinvested and, and you're buying more shares. So 
Um, that's share total. I we have to talk to Josh and see if there's any way to do that. But it's a very, it is a very powerful. Yeah, I, I think it really is. So more shares typically means more wealth. That's so right. Focus on that. That's awesome. Right. Well, this has been this week's edition of MoneyMD. Tune in next week on MoneyMD.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check out our website, MoneyMD.net. Send us your questions and give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of the week. Yeah, have a great weekend. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 